it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not refusing to endorse Joe Biden. But dig this, another night of high-profile Democrats saying this guy should stop while he's behind. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. We're going to get into it on a busy track meet of a show. Dana Perino is going to be here. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan also in the House. And dig this, Lara Trump lets us know if her father-in-law is going to come back down the escalator and launch another bid for the White House. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. That is their prediction. Uh, What is yours? Uh, 888-788-9910. The phone number if you want to be a part of a big Thursday episode of Fox Across America. And I'm not just saying that because of my weight. There is a lot going on, and we're just going to dive right in with some you and me time. But you know the rules. If you do want to call in, you want to text, tweet, carrier pigeon, whatever you're into, send a smoke signal. If you're hanging out with Elizabeth Warren, I don't care. All I ask is that you be a Republican, you be a Democrat, just don't be a That is all as we get underway. We are off and running. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm Peppy. I am one day closer to heading down to Houston, Texas. Uh, you might not have known that, but uh, Jenny Fallon, uh, the greatest woman, uh, the, the, my entire reason for being. I do mean that. Jenny Fallon is like, uh, we don't like each other. We've been together like 16 years. I'm not saying we like each other, uh, but we're happy. <laughs> we have a great marriage, uh, and she is like my entire purpose for being. She is like the North Star. So two weekends ago, uh, on a Sunday, I was actually pretty tuned up in my backyard. I was hanging out in the backyard, smoking meat with Kennedy, having a couple of drinks. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Well, lo and behold, uh, it served me pretty well. But Jenny had mentioned that in her life, the one thing she had always wanted to do was to see Garth Brooks. So while I was sitting there on my patio in pretty bad shape, I started scouring the intraweb. And I found uh, a really good racket, an affordable way to get to Houston, Texas, to see Garth Brooks this Saturday night. So this Saturday night, me, Jenny, and Lincoln, radio's first family, are flying down to Houston in that 122-degree temperature, whatever the hell it's doing down there with the heat. And uh, we're going to sing along to Garth Brooks and swig a couple of beers, and it's going to be a fantastic time. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But as wild as it might get, let's say it's the finale, like the fifth encore when we hear that opening guitar strum and we know he's finally going to sing I've Got Friends in Low Places because that's what a Garth Brooks concert is. It's New Year's Eve. You're just counting down to midnight. Midnight for Garth Brooks is I've Got Friends in Low Places. When that moment finally hits and me and Jenny are at peak intoxication and we've like literally handed our 13-year-old son the car keys and ordered him to drive us back to the hotel safely, neither one of us, as drunk as we might be, is going to be willing to believe or say or declare that Joe Biden should run again in 2024. Come on, man. Now, I bring this up, uh, and it's a point I've been making over the course of several weeks now, 
There's an old saying, you know, they say success has a thousand fathers. Failure is an orphan. Okay, never has that saying been more applicable than to the Biden presidency, where, to be fair, okay, this guy is a political orphan. And I'm not hitting him on a personal level. I don't know Joe Biden. You know, I might actually like the guy if we hung out at parties. Who knows? Maybe I'd love sniffing women's hair. Maybe it's actually maybe it's actually cool. Back up, you creep. Okay, but the point is, I don't mean to kick a guy while he's down. He was just, in fact, tested positive for COVID for a third time. The White House announced that late Wednesday afternoon that Biden now has tested positive yet again. As a matter of fact, the CDC now encouraging people to maintain six feet of space when shaking hands with an invisible person at the end of one of your speeches. We have a president that is clearly not all there. It's a mess, okay? And I don't mean to take personal shots. We cartoon the fact that he's in a state of cognitive decline because it's really just a coping mechanism. Like, I had a relative, my Uncle Sonny, who went through the same thing, who was just talking publicly in mannerisms and cliches, and they didn't always make sense, and they weren't always in response to what you thought you were talking to him about. We've seen that with Biden a lot lately. I know there's a, there's a Biden speech I've... I played earlier in the week where he's summing up the economy, and it's one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard. Uh, This is clip 23. But I started thinking about it just as, you know, somebody who's raised a middle class kid. One year, even though you didn't have the job you have now, even though you didn't get a raise that year, the difference between having a job having a 5% raise or whatever, three, five, seven, whatever it happens to be, in the face of inflation, price of the pump, although that's down every day so far. But, you know, it's like, whoa, I feel worse off. But then again, I didn't get a check for eight grand from the government. They just, among other things. Does that make any sense to anybody or is it just me? Have you ever had a check? Really think about what he just said because it doesn't actually make sense. It's sad. I'm not having fun with this, man. You know, you know, when I was a kid, dad didn't have the job. I did. You send the kid through school. But then again, I didn't get an $8,000 check from the government. Does that make sense to anybody? The answer would be no. Not even a little. Okay. And who got this $8,000 check from the government? That's the point I don't understand. The stimulus checks weren't $8,000 checks from the government. I don't know. Maybe if you were defrauding them on a PPE loan, you got an $8,000 check. But in theory, what he just said doesn't actually make sense. And it wasn't applicable to the question he was asked about lowering inflation. He was trying to have an I feel your pain moment. But the point is, whether it's his cognitive state or it's just the state of our economy and everything in between. Nobody wants this guy running in 2024, and there's no world where it's going to happen. And I've been saying this forever. We respect the offense of the presidency, and we're trying to treat this man with the dignity he deserves as he's aging in the public eye. But you're starting to see the strategic distancing. You know, two weeks ago, it was the New York Times writing that he's too old and he should step aside. Then you saw the Washington Post do the same thing. What do they both have in common? They both spent the entire 2020 election cycle telling us he was sharp as a tack. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Understand, Joe, the, the, the New York Times and the Washington Post at, at one point were telling us this guy should be running the country. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the you know the thing. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. 
Biden's lost his marbles. And we all knew that before he became president. Understand what they've done with Joe Biden is really as he was the vessel for them. They needed to get rid of Trump and they needed somebody who could, for all intents and purposes, just function as an iTunes user agreement. I was saying this yesterday. They just put legislation in front of this guy. They tell him to scroll to the bottom and click I agree. The problem with them doing that is all of their ideas happen to be terrible. Correct the mundo. Hey, let's kill the Keystone Energy Pipeline. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. Hey, let's declare war on our fossil fuel industry. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. Hey, let's print and spend a two trillion dollars that we don't even have. That is financial lunacy. Not to mention that it didn't work out it very well. Hey, let's stop policing our southern border. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. I mean, the people running this presidency have really done historic levels of damage to the country. I don't take any pride in saying that. Like, I know the Republicans are going to have a big night, you know, in the midterms. What does that mean? OK, that doesn't help any of you with the problems you're experiencing now. I don't take any joy in this. I also don't like that the guy's a mess and that the people in charge of Joe Biden are ruining the place. But understand there's a strategic distancing underway now where even in a Democratic debate, I meant to play this Wednesday, but we were all hopped up. Kennedy was in the studio. Senator Steve Daines came by. Today is one of these days. I got Dana Perino coming on this hour. I have to really hold it together because Dana Perino is, you know, she's the pride of the fleet here at Fox News. There's nobody more loved or respected in this building than Dana Perino. So it's like when she comes and does my show, it's like, do you remember growing up when your parents had company coming over? All of a sudden, everything was clean. All the rooms were organized. There were plates out you'd never seen before. Like, oh, you can't have, you can't use those plates. They're for company. Okay, we have company coming over here here in a few minutes. So I'm kind of on top of things. And if there's sound we need to get to, by all means, we're going to get to it. This is Carolyn Maloney. And she is in a Democratic debate uh, that also involves Jerry Nadler. And in this debate, the question is asked about whether or not Biden should run in 2024. She goes as far as to declare that he's not running. Here it is. This is clip 30. Should President Biden run again in 2024? Yes. Mr. Nadler. Too early to say doesn't serve the purpose of the Democratic Party to to deal with that until after the midterms. Ms. Maloney. I don't believe he's running for re-election. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Did you hear that? Nadler's basically saying no. Well, it's too early to say. Folks, that's a no. If you think he's running and he should run, you say yes. If you think it's, you know, too early to say, that's a fancy way of saying I really don't want to be on record as saying no. That's true. That is true. Okay, but Carolyn Maloney comes and points out what we all know to be true, that he's not running again. Here's Joe Manchin. He's been asked about this a lot lately. Because if you remember, Biden had announced just a few days back that he had secured Joe Manchin's cooperation on this fake inflation bill. Okay, the inflation reduction bill that reduces inflation by raising your taxes, raising the corporate tax rate. And oh, by the way, requiring the government to spend more money at a time when its debt is causing inflation. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Well, because he was willing to play ball on this bill, you understand, Joe Manchin is now being asked, hey, you're a transactional guy. Okay, should Joe Biden run again? Manchin has gone full Fred Astaire, put on the top hat, put on the cane, and he has been tap dancing like a wild man. But he stopped the music on MSNBC and just flat out lost it on Andrea Mitchell. Here it is, clip 29. 
I'm not talking about the 2022 election and 2024. I have no control over those elections, and I'm not going to talk about them that will skew one of the greatest pieces of legislation, and I'm very appreciative that the president has seen it, he's approved it, he supports it. God bless him for that. This is great for America. Can't we do something for our country without having to bring politics into it? Well, That's all. I'm not going to talk about it. You're a I'm Democratic senator. I'm just, I'm just asking I'm you whether you would support your it. own, the leader of your own party. <laughs> oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. He's really desperate. He just doesn't want to address this subject. But understand where we are in this administration. Okay, this guy isn't even two years into his presidency. Whoever you tell me the worst president in our history was, in the modern era, most people assume it was Jimmy Carter. Fair. Okay, I don't care. I'm not here to argue who's better, who's worse. No matter what. Okay, whoever that person was, they were not being told by their party not to run for another term. They were never told that. You could say, yeah, Jimmy Carter was ultimately primaried by Ted Kennedy, who uh, had as much business running the country as he would running a fleet of limousines with his driving skills. But the point is, okay, Jimmy Carter was not being told by his party not to run less than two years into his presidency. Jimmy Carter, okay, didn't have members of his party refusing to comment to the point of yelling at a moderator on whether or not he should run for another term. You know, for all the talk about Biden being Jimmy Carter, come on, man. I say this all the time. Biden makes Jimmy Carter look like Gary Carter, the Hall of Fame catcher on the New York Mets. Joe Biden is really is, as a president, just an unmitigated disaster. And when his own party and you understand the Democrats just want power, you understand, that's why they were willing to endorse him the first time around. He was the vessel through which they could get power, shove him in the basement, let him watch gun smoke. The media will run against Trump. They'll call him a racist enough They'll call America racist. We'll scream and yell. Everybody's a bigot. When you come out in the age of identity politics with a little help from drop boxes and a little bit of ballot harvesting and a low signature verification threshold, we'll have a President Biden. Well, the good news for the Democrats is it worked. The bad news for the Democrats is it worked. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And yes, the technical definition of a recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth. We've debated this for over a week. Why? Because the people in the White House are trying to make the claim that there's another definition. That is a fact check false. Here are the Democrats, and this is worth hearing. This is a montage of the Democrats trying to redefine the word. It's clip 15. What a recession really means is a broad-based contraction yeah. in the economy. And even if that number is negative, we are not in a recession now. We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. The idea that uh, two-quarters of negative GDP growth is a technical definition of a recession is wrong. Uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. We're not redefining recession. If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. That is not the definition. <laughs> Don't you have any respect for yourself? Okay, never mind that for the last 100 years, the actual technical definition, if you were to Google recession, would be two consecutive quarters of negative growth. In this moment, they're trying to repurpose the definition. Instead of trying to solve the problem. This is why Biden's as unpopular as he is. Listen to Janet Yellen, though, telling us we shouldn't have a semantic battle. Clip 26. I think we should avoid a semantic battle. I've tried to do that in my remarks today. Um, when you say that Americans are very concerned about the economy, I think their biggest concern is with inflation and high prices. And people are worried about their retirement savings and whether or not they'll have enough to retire. Now, sometimes people use the word recession to refer to that. That's really about inflation. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. No, no, no. We're not in a recession. It's just that people are worried about inflation, high prices, and their retirement savings going away. But other than that, everything's totally fine. Go back to bed, America. We're not doing bad at all. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Everything Janet Yellen says would make so much more sense if she was wearing size 17 shoes and had a red nose on. It's a clown. And this is your biggest problem in Washington right now. Perception is more important than reality. They would rather spend their time telling you things are fine. Like, you're not going to notice. Like, oh, my money's gone. I can't afford nothing. But they said I'm fine. So I guess that means I'm fine then? Thanks for the heads up, Democrats. We're not in a recession after all. Democrats are so full of crap. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if you're just joining us, we've been talking about the mounting pressure on Joe Biden to forego a 2024 run. Joining us now to discuss it, somebody, everybody would love to see run for the White House in 2024. I'd lose a mentor, though. That could backfire on me. But you know her in Lover is the co-host of America's Newsroom and the five host of the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. Dana Perino is back. Hey, girl. I don't know whether it's flattery to say I should run for president. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm never running for anything. <laughs> well, didn't you? I, I, my memory's foggy on this, but didn't you work in the White House at one point? 
Yeah, you might not have heard. I, you know, yeah. I was busy driving a but cab. Yeah, well, you, you were at the podium. I was behind the wheel. You know, two two fun facts people don't know about us, but yes, it's so great to hear your voice. Um, but that's why we get along so well. <laughs> that's a lot of reasons. Um, let me jump in on this because I had this conversation with Bill Hemmer, and we've been having this conversation throughout the fuel crisis. I want to start here in a weird spot, Dana. What was your first car? Oh, um, a Dodge Turismo. Ooh. Dodge Turismo. I think it was Dodge. Was it Dodge? Oh, is it, was it a Torino or a, no, a Turismo, right? Turismo. The oh, Turismo. Yeah. Yes. Turismo. Yes, it's Turismo. I'm it looking... had a sunroof. Yes, it I did. It was ugly. Let me tell you, I was kind of embarrassed, but my parents bought me a car yeah. because we lived in a kind of a rural area mm. in, um, well, like a, it, it, it's yes. basically a suburb now of, mm. of Denver, but at the time it was quite rural. I'm in Parker, Colorado, and my parents work downtown Denver. Oh. So when I turned 16, my sister was only 12, mm-hmm. and she had to go and get allergy shots once a week. Mm-hmm. And so my parents needed some help. Anyway, I was responsible <laughs> enough to get a car. But they got me this Dodge Tur- I think it was a Dodge Tur- Was it like a hatchback? It, lo- it looks like a two-door, yeah, almost hatchback. a hatchback, right? Yeah, that two-door hatchback, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, and then sometimes I would forget to close the sunroof, and then, of course, it would like it'd be a hailstorm overnight. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, well, you're lucky in Denver. I mean, you might get up in the morning and you have a bear riding shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> or a snake curled up in there. You know, you never knew. Yeah, you don't but, even know. But, yeah, so that was my first car. Okay. Um, I, I, well, I, br- I bring this up. Mine, mine as a teenager was a Chrysler LeBaron, which it wasn't until we bought it. Mm-hmm. We found out LeBaron was French for broken. It was just always in the shop. <laughs> it was a, a Chrysler LeBroken, if you will. But one of the things I was talking about in, as it pertains to the fuel crisis, it's an angle of analysis no one ever deploys, which is how is this affecting the teenager? We always talk about truckers, people who drive for a living, and you know, commuters. But you think about those moments of adult autonomy where you first got your hands on a car and a tape deck and you were just doing your own thing. We don't really prioritize that, but I would imagine kids are cruising less right now, wouldn't you think? Well, but aren't they cruising less in general? I mean, a lot of kids are delaying getting a license. Like for us, Mm -hmm. you would count the days until you could get your permit, and then you would tell your parents, like, we have to go on this particular day to get the permit. (laughs) Yes. But that's not the case anymore. They wait. I mean, they've got Uber. That's so true. Also, we needed a car so we could go visit our friends. Yeah. Now they just meet their friends online and play video games. <laughs> it's so it's so true. They're all driving on Xbox. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't need the car as much as we did. Oh, it's so true. This is why you get Dana Perino on your show, folks. I mean, there's so many reasons, but above all else, what this was is... Hammer's answer? Well, Hammer, by the way, this is very interesting about Hammer. He was a shareholder in a Grand Torino. Him, uh, his brother, and his sister, the three of them chipped in 200 bucks a piece on a $600 Grand Torino, only to have his sister, Elon Musk, the deal and back out a few months in because she was leaving for college, <laughs> and she demanded a buyout. And it wound up like one of those Twitter deals we had to like sue to get her to come through on her purchase it was complicated (laughs) oh my gosh i didn't know that they're still they're still litigating it to this day so yeah if you get a call from hammer (laughs) and he's stuck in court it's that 200 bucks well i was talking about cars i was talking about fuel because i think fuel and inflation are the main reasons biden is as unpopular as he is and if you caught that democratic debate the other night or at least the clips where maloney just flat said he wasn't running you know everybody's been tap dancing mansion tap danced nadler tap danced um carolyn maloney just stomped the yard she's like i don't think he's running and she's trying to backpedal now but uh, are we officially at that point where 
where the Democratic knives have come out for Biden? Oh, yes. I mean, I remember it wasn't just maybe six weeks ago that the first anonymous source, Democratic anonymous source, was in the New York Times suggesting that Biden shouldn't run again. And that lasted about a week. And I thought that was significant. Mm -hmm. And then basically everybody just ripped the Band-Aid off and Democrats were on the record saying, yeah, I don't think he should. Or now they're saying, I don't think he will. Mm -hmm. I think there. I think that Biden thinks he probably is running right now. <laughs> That's... I think in his mind, I think that he does. I think that his wife might think uh, we're going to have to talk about this because mm-hmm. yeah. you know I don't know. I, I I know that they would like to run again. I just think that when you have Democrats and friends of yours who, no doubt, I guess wanted him to succeed, they wanted him to be president. Mm-hmm. They see the writing on the wall. They they don't want him to run, and these are not going to stop. Every reporter now knows that in a debate or when you have a chance to talk to a Democrat, the first thing you're going to ask them is, do you think Joe Biden should run for president again? Yep. That's never going to end. That's so and, Until he says something, which I mean, yes I think – Until he says yes or no. Right? It, do you think there is an internal pressure then? We're talking to the great Dana Perino if you're just joining us. Do you think there's an internal pressure for him to say something before the midterms? Because I've read that that would be the preference. But I would imagine. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's fun. I think that's interesting because uh, there's a lot of um, what do you call that armchair quarterbacking going yeah, yeah. on, uh-huh. um, and where you say, well, you know, this strategist thinks this or that. I think it would be really unusual, and it would almost have to be completely medical related that he would say yeah. that he's not running again before the midterm. They also have a little bit of hope right now. Mm-hmm. Some of these very close races that look like they would just automatically go to Republicans. Mm-hmm. Now, not not necessarily the case. There's going to be a fight. Yeah. And each side is going to have to try to persuade. The The Roe v. Wade issue mm-hmm. is one in which very close races where Republicans look like they could pick one up, it might be harder for them to do so mm-hmm. with an engaged Democratic base on that issue. You're like, you don't have to win all the votes. Yeah. You just have to win more than the other person. Yep. So I think that right now, talk of him announcing he won't run before the midterms, is very, very unlikely. Yeah, you know what? I would agree there, too, because it's almost like an admission of defeat. It's it's a way of saying, yeah. hey, these policies didn't work, but give us another shot in the midterm. So I, I'm with you. I don't think he can do it. But as it pertains to Roe, since you brought it up, yesterday, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, she's at the White House podium, something you're pretty familiar with, uh, and tried to make the claim that overturning Roe was unconstitutional. Did you ever have a day at the podium where you threw a wild pitch like that? <laughs> Probably. I mean, <laughs> I'd hate to go back and look. And thankfully, there was no social media oh, to capture man. all of my moments. I mean, uh, <laughs> I've always felt bad for the press secretaries that came after me because it, it was a social media uh, yeah. firestorm. Um, yeah, when the, when the Supreme Court speaks, that's speaking about the Constitution. That was exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I, I think that's the point. Is you, you can disagree with the Supreme Court con- uh, decision, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, that, people do that all the time. Yeah. You know, when, when the Hamdan decision came out that said that um, prisoners of war uh, captured on the battlefield could try, could have their cases heard in the, in the U.S. court system, George mm-hmm. W. Bush vehemently disagreed with the decision, but he complied with it. Yeah. And he said, OK, well, then either we have to figure out a way to change the law or just deal with this in, in a way that protects the American people. I mean, and, and actually, that is what the Biden administration is doing. Mm-hmm. If I were them, I would say, OK, look, the Dobbs decision said. We're going to kick this back to the states, mm-hmm. and the, in, in the very first contest, 
the Democrats win overwhelmingly in Kansas. Yep. So it, I'm not saying that's going to go their way in every state. Mm-hmm. And the referendum, the way it was yeah, written, it was, was a little bit weird and bizarre. Yeah. And, and this will take different forms. But for right now, Democrats, they have something to, to crow about. Mm-hmm. And they will. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting because I think what is happening with the debate as it pertains to overturning the Dobbs case and everything in between is we're not really having a discussion on just how extreme the Democrats have gotten. Like they do a good job of messaging in that they're framing this as some type of a war on women as opposed to an engagement on what we know to be substantively true about the length of abortion that they're in favor of. Like how did we go from safe, legal and rare to give me abortion? on demand or you're the devil like how did we get here because i don't think they hear themselves because i think if we converse along those lines they lose support you know a row had support but up to a certain amount of time so there was a guy his name is david cockle mm-hmm. and he's uh, out of iowa i believe a political consultant always very well respected by both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. a, a republican guy mm-hmm. and he said here's what we're Here's what we're finding is that the national polling on abortion turns out to be correct, mm-hmm. that you will not get majority of, of people to say outright ban mm-hmm. or outright allowed until the moment of birth. Mm-hmm. The people have parameters and standards, and that might be where we end up in these state legislatures. Yeah, that, that well, that's where I think it's ultimately going to go. If you're just joining us, Dana Perino is in the house, um, literally in her house. Uh, we're here having a chit chat. Yeah. I've been. I, I'm not. I'm not feeling too great. Oh, you're gonna listen. Well, you're always you're always boosting our spirits. So just you hang in there. I'm gonna filibuster a second. No, no, you're fine. Uh, the the final question was before we let you go, Dana Perino, is uh, have you ever given any thought, being the co-host of the Five, the co-host of America's Newsroom? Okay, you're hosting the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. These are all hits. Have you ever given thought to what people do in your position, which is go back and rebuy their first car or rebuy their first house? Is there a reunion where you and Peter are in the Dodge Turismo? Uh, probably not, but you know we do have a big anniversary coming up. Oh. Um, 25 years ago, this August, August mm-hmm. 17th, mm-hmm. we met on an airplane. And I've been thinking about this because it's a significant milestone. We were, we were just randomly assigned seats uh, with, mm-hmm. with each other on an American Airlines flight from Denver to Chicago. And, but it's 25 years ago, and we ended up talking wow. and fell in love. But we didn't have phones. <laughs> and that made a difference. Oh, yeah. Phones and masks. In the modern era, you wouldn't have talked. You would have had a mask on. You would have been looking at your phone. Wow. That's a. Yeah. Do you think I would have talked to that guy? I mean, (laughs) well, I might have actually. But (laughs) I thought he was cute. He didn't have a wedding ring. Um, Distinguished accent. Anybody who knows, he's he's British. Mm -hmm. And so when I think on some of my nostalgia, when I think about going back, it's like, Wow, remember when we didn't have these things taking up all of our time and attention? I had a family visit um, our weekend place Mm -hmm. in New Jersey, and I was was amazed. Their Mm -hmm. kids weren't on any devices. Wow. Three of them, ages 6, 10, and 12. Wow. I I was like, how how are you guys doing that? (laughs) They said it it took a little bit of time, but they've succeeded in just basically, basically making their kids busy. Wow. Busy doing other things, and they're not on their phones or on their devices. And I thought, oh, gosh, 
that's the kind of nostalgia I could go for. Oh, you ain't kidding. You know, we always laugh because Jenny grew up in the farm country out in Ohio. You know, we always tell jokes about the Amish people that live nearby, but they're having the best time. They're not fighting on Twitter all night. They don't care, you know. They're laughing. They're milking, churning butter. Although I have one suspicion before I let you go. Do you think when we're done touring the Amish farm and everyone leaves at 5 o'clock, they do turn on the lights and the Internet? Absolutely. <laughs> I 100% believe that. 100%. <laughs> Uh, Dana Perino Dana Perino is an Amish truther we just need to get that out there (laughs) you're the best Uh, feel better we'll do it again soon Dana you're the greatest hey thanks so much thanks for having me you too get well soon there she goes the great Dana Perino there we go back after this you're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon it's like it's a it's a game changer Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to the all-time great Dana Perino. I mean, nothing classes up this program. Like, we laugh. You guys think of being modest. It's like, oh, you're a lot of self-deprecating humor. Like, I, you're laughing. I'm not self-deprecating. I'm telling you the truth, okay? This woman's a former White House press secretary. She is brilliant. Uh, I'm just, you know, my life is a drinking story. And that's why you're supposed to love this country, because a dummy like me can go from driving a cab to hosting one of the biggest radio shows on the planet and doing all these cool shows in between. It's amazing, and it's a reminder that whatever you're trying to accomplish, it can be accomplished. You just got to keep chiseling away with that little rock hammer, Shawshank Redemption style. You know, when you hear me talk about my life, I'm like, one day I was driving a cab, next day I was on Fox News. It sounds great, except it did take 20 years. It wasn't like they were like, here you go. You know, when people call you an overnight success, it's because you were working overnight your whole life. And then one day somebody was like, hey, how about a little bit of success? And you're like, oh, thank goodness. But here's the bottom line. Even I know as as much as I like to make fun of myself, as bad as I've been with money, as poor as I've been, even I know you don't raise taxes during a recession, which is exactly what this Biden spending bill would do. And this is not just me saying it. Listen to Barack Obama. This is a clip from two. 2009, where Obama is talking about raising taxes in a recession, clip 19. I'd say to Scott is, uh, his economics are right. You don't raise taxes in a recession. We haven't raised taxes in a recession. Understand that. You don't raise taxes in a recession. Uh, You know, Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But understand, the reason they're violating this canon of economics is because in their worldview, in their worldview, we're just not in a recession. You're not telling me the truth. Not even a little. They're not even kind of telling you the truth. Folks, we're in a recession. Uh, I don't think that's a good thing. I'm not saying it because I want to score political points against the Democrats. I'm saying it because I want everybody to prepare accordingly. As they they raise interest rates to try to get everything under control in terms of spending, the goal of raising interest rates is to lower income, is to drive down spending. You dig? It's a problem. Do you know the level of credit card debt in this country is at its highest level ever right now in terms of the amount of debt people are in? And and they keep telling you every time they get to the podium, oh, the economy's great. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Every single time they say it. Oh, no, you don't understand. We got this under control. The economy's going good. What are they worried about? They're worried about the midterms. What am I worried about? I'm worried about your bank account. I'm worried about your bills. I'm worried about your gas. I'm worried about your kids. And I, I legitimately am. Like, don't for, ever forget, man. I'm new. I care. Uh, maybe if I was five contracts from now and I was on, like, my third wife, 
you know, and I was just some jaded animal with a big drug addiction or a bunch of mansions or God knows what else. I might just be willing to tell you anything just to make the show doable and just to keep cashing those checks. Uh, but unfortunately, I have been cursed uh, with caring. I get on the radio every day and I'm like, how can I help? I'm telling you, this might get old one day. Your radio buddy might be just some barbarian. I don't see it coming uh, because I'm just not wired that way. I have more of a connection to you than I do to any of the prosperity I happen to be living through right now. But the people in Washington, they're not connected to any of this. It's the only way you could say something like defund the police. Think about that. Defund the police. Are you nuts? We can have a world without police. But you know who can say that? You know who can say it? It's people who apt to have a police detail already supplied to them. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Like, let me give you an example on that, now that I'm completely off kilter. Okay? Corey Bush once famously told you we had to defund the police. Then she got caught with a $110,000 police detail. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. She's worse than Kamala. Think about that. Suck it up. Defund the police has to happen. Except she has a police detail. Think about how detached from reality you have to be to say that. Think about how detached from reality you have to be to tell everybody out there in the world that the economy is just fine and dandy. He knows what he's talking about. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, bringing you an embarrassment of radio riches (laughs) in this hour. I just got off the outnumbered couch downstairs. And apparently I was followed on my way back to the radio studio. You'll recognize both of these voices because this is our second time doing this. This is like a thing now. It's become it's a tradition. Uh, well, to, you beg. To, so. <laughs> Harris Faulkner uh, is in the house. Uh, oh. And, of course, the great Lara Trump as well. The great Harris Faulkner. I mean, we, you know, you guys are both fantastic. It's just and, a given. But this has Fox Across America <laughs> has turned into like the kiss and cry room. You know, in gymnastics, you do your routine. And then you sit with the coach and get back the scores and see how it went over. You know I know. Yeah, we basically get off the outnumbered couch now, and we come here to look at our scores. I was told the Swedish judge gave us a seven. That's bull. I'm kidding. Uh, But, no, we had a good day. It was fun. Nice to see you girls. It was a great time. We're all in blue today, too. I I sort of love it. Not that the radio audience can can see that, but I want to give you a visual. Thank you. The Fox Nation audience. They appreciate it. See? There you go. Lara Trump has this uh, Kamala thing where she shows up and says, I'm a woman. I'm wearing blue. That's true. And then gives us her pronouns, and then we start the show. So it's just tradition. Actually. we followed you here, and, and Laura got the party started on this in the elevator yes. for your masculinity. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so this was the big conversation we were having on the show today, amongst many, was they were trying, of all people, someone wrote a Washington Post op-ed haranguing Josh Hawley about his push for masculinity, which, number one, I said on the show, I find funny because Hawley doesn't really look like a toxic dude. He looks, as this I said— This is not The Rock. Yeah. I mean— This is not The Rock. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, Holy is not like top 20 people I'm calling in Washington. If I like in a fist fight, I'm getting jumped. If I need a hair tip last second, I mean, Holy, put the ringer on loud, girl. I'm coming your way. 
but they were kind of demonizing masculinity. And I thought it was worth carrying this conversation over into the radio space because it's one of those things that is, is still um, viable. If you want to attack something, you can still trash men in this day and age. And the fact that you guys aren't okay with that meant a lot to me. Oh, I've actually, oh, we we nice. rarely deal in compliments in this space. That's okay? true. Normally, like, Harris, we didn't get into this on Outnumbered, but it, did you see Lara's earrings? Oh, yeah. She yeah, actually These are my famous... She no, actually, no, you don't yeah. know this. She actually, as a kid, she stole them from SeaWorld. You know the hoop they hold up? <laughs> Is that true? That the dolphin <laughs> no. jumps through to eat the fish? Shamu has jumped through those hoops. That's how big they are. I just lost, like, all credibility as a journalist. <laughs> Is, Is that, that true? Yes. Yeah. I've I mean, never she... even been to SeaWorld, Paris. That's <laughs> a child. No, can I tell I you, mean... we, we got off the elevator, uh-huh. and... Jimmy Fallon is rushing to get to to the oh, yeah. show because mm-hmm. he cannot miss for the radio audience. They love you, oh. okay. And and instead of going ahead because we knew we had seconds to get here, he holds the door for me and for Harris. And I said, I said, Jimmy, stop being so masculine <laughs> and doing these things. But truly, I think the fact that we're attacking masculinity and that it is somehow and Harris you said this on outnumbered somehow that's like a negative thing to be masculine mm-hmm. I think it's really sad and and I, I think there's this push to just be a homogenous group yeah. of individuals I with hear you. no gender with yeah. no color with no anything that stands out and you want everybody to fall into the same like blah it's just mm-hmm. it's sad I I'm all for masculinity I gotta tell you I have a son I hope that that yeah. when he grows up, he holds the door for women, a la mm-hmm. Jimmy Fela, and he's, you know, <laughs> well, portrays masculinity. And we have ways. husbands in in yes. our homes. Yeah. That's right. Who are that that person? Mm-hmm. We both married tall men, you know, big guys, and mm-hmm. and they're that person in our lives and in our children's lives. And we mm-hmm. do play different roles. But look, I, I'm not saying that other people can't live it differently. Yes. That's absolutely fine for them. But don't yuck my yum. <laughs> Okay, I I do want to say this, though, from a little bit of a place of knowing. Uh So when the term African-American came about, Mm -hmm. which was many years ago, and I think I was probably still in in school in college, I, you know, we'd sit around the dinner table in my house and, and I would be like, Mom and Dad, why can't I just be black? And my dad said, no, you are an American who happens to be black. How about it? Wow. Okay. Remember that. You don't need a hyphenation of who you are as an American citizen. Amazing. And I'm thinking, I'm watching the sort of, and I love the way you put it, Laura, I'm watching the homogenous thing that we do in this country yeah. of making everybody the same. And you fast forward and you know what we get? A presidential candidate who's now president who looked at a black host, Charlemagne the God, mm-hmm. and said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Uh, and then said, well, you know, blacks aren't the same as Hispanics. They're, you know, yeah. they, they don't have all of the differences. You're basically mm-hmm. yeah. a monotonous group of people, yep. a homogenous group of people. You're all the same. He doesn't see the layering of individuals. And I don't want names that we place on each other mm-hmm. to become the expectations of them. So if we can't say the words, you're a hot guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, HR might have problems with that. But, <laughs> but even I mean, then, <laughs> no one's going to get mad at you. But for we wouldn't be referring guy. to you. No, hey, I'm just girl. kidding. You now you're talking. No, I no. mean, mas- masculinity I cannot become a negative thing. Dude, yeah. Then it becomes, well, we're all just the same. Then right. what, are you going to attack femininity too? Because mm-hmm. I'm proud of who I am as a woman, but I'm a different woman than 
you know, I'm allowed to have my individual. And individuality. everybody, Amen. as Harris said, you could choose whatever you want, but don't try to tell us how to live our Thank lives. You. Okay. I, I'm with the SeaWorld shoplifter on this one. Um, <laughs> Harris, right. um, I feel so stupid that I thought that that actually happened. Oh, if things move fast on this show, that's the problem. <laughs> Lara yeah. Trump, Harris Faulkner are in the house. I would say this about identity politics in a weird way. It's actually resegregating the country because we're prioritizing Absolutely. everything to be about your race. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, if you, it's so true. If, think about Martin Luther King. You want to live in a world where you judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. We're actually resegregating and saying, like, no, no, no. The color of your skin is influencing everything Do you think that people don't do. believe that anymore? They that, don't that believe That your character they, counts? Is Martin, that why they're I, such I, jerks This sounds times? so nuts. If Martin Luther King, half of those ideas would get booed at, like, a college campus these days. They'd be like, check your privilege. Content of your character. We can't even get That's down the street without the wild. color of our skin getting us persecuted. And it's not true. Yeah. It's like we're saying it at a time where we just had a black president do two terms. That doesn't mean racism's gone. It just means mainstream America has obviously moved beyond it. There is nowhere in polite society you can be biased against anything and still have a job. You know, you can't walk into a job at Domino's and go, fine, but I won't deliver to these people. They're not hiring you. Right, that's just course. not how it works. And that's my frustration is I don't think we're having an honest conversation. That's why I like having you guys up here. These are tricky challenges. Well, nobody wants we to can... have an honest conversation anymore. I mean, you have spent time with a lot of people across the country as your father-in-law yeah. was running and winning and running. Wait, your father-in-law? I'm kidding. <laughs> All this time? I just thought you were some, like, other tri- – I'm, I'm Yeah, kidding. just the same last name. It's weird. Mikey, we no, blew I mean, this one. With no, all I'm the kidding. people that you have met, you, you get to see what happens when people have real dialogue. And I think there has been this falling away from being strong enough to listen to people who don't necessarily agree with you. It, it's, right. it's not a weakness. It's a superpower. Yep. Well, we, that used to be how things operated, that mm-hmm. we had a marketplace of ideas, that people came to the table and were able to talk about things. And sometimes you agreed with people and sometimes you didn't agree with people. Yeah. But to get more ideas brings more solutions and better prospects for our future Whatever it is that we're discussing, but people now, the attempt is just to shut down yep. any sort of dialogue with which you don't agree, and it's kind of sad. That's it's a really terrible. good point. You want to know why, too? Disagreement is inconvenient. In the digital age, we've gotten so wed to convenience that someone's standing yeah. before you saying, yeah, but – you're like, what if they just catch on fire and I never have to talk to well, them? Well, because normally you yeah. could just shut them off on your phone, yeah. right? Normally we're on a phone, we're on a tablet, a phone, a mm-hmm. computer. I don't like that. I'm just not going to go visit that anymore. Yeah. That's not how the world has worked up yeah. until this point, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. It, that's not how it should work. But people are so used to just being able to. Just going to cut that off and cut well, it out. And I'm okay if it's a digital device. What mm-hmm. I can't stand is when people try to to lower the volume in person. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the cancel culture now has gotten violent. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, and and look, for the fools who want to glue their butts to the counter at Starbucks or put their hands on a priceless photo (laughs) because they don't agree with how the world is going with super glue and all of that and, Uh and ruin the art for the rest of us until they can peel them off. I mean, you don't get to be violent you don't get to be and maybe that's not necessarily violence Mm -hmm. but pulling you off that counter is probably going to hurt well can i (laughs) it'll be violent for you especially when they bill you for all the coffees they didn't sell at starbucks it's like 82.50 a cup i don't want my coffee on the butt counter i'm still yeah i'm still paying uh interest on a venti (laughs) mochaccino i got in 98 uh here's another thing about that though getting back to the masculine thing because what josh hawley was you like that that's your favorite topic today wait well this is a good one there were actually there were a lot I loved. Actually, my favorite part of today's show was going off on Eric Adams about crime. But I think crime is an offshoot of what Hawley is saying. Having a strong male role model in your life yeah. is usually where accountability came from. 
you know, and a lot of kids are now going into the real world with no consideration for other people, and it's society that's being forced to pay the bill for their lack of accountability in either jailing them or not yeah, jailing them preaching. in the name of equity. That's, but that's, that's the yeah. bigger problem. I mean, honestly, I say this a lot. It sounds like I'm going to get deep, but uh, like I always say, the value of religion, regardless of what your religion is, is you're playing, you're working long con, you're living with an end goal in mind which is to live a life of predominant decency. So you go to whatever you believe your heaven to be is, okay? Right. That's valuable in our lives if for no other reason than you've got to function with a greater good in mind. Instead of, I want this, I'll steal it. I want this, I'll rob somebody. And I think that's another void. But I think if Hollywood attacked on religion to masculinity, they would have burnt his house down. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, no, hell no. Oh, no. <laughs> Men and religion, no, get them out of here. They can't handle that sort of thing. That's too much. No. But that's where I think we're at. I think I think there's just this basic fundamental lacking of common decency. Well, I, I think it's religion, but I also think look at the fact that there are so many people that don't have drive to work anymore. Yeah. You don't have any reason to get up in the morning yeah. and do good and follow the rules and do mm-hmm. there's just a lack of so much right now. And I mean, obviously the pandemic didn't help with that. Obviously the government paying mm-hmm. people to stay home during a pandemic didn't help with that as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to, if you just get back to a place where people are incentivized to to work and it's Imagine. a positive thing and yes. they have goals in their life and they have religion, yeah. they have accountability. Gosh, what a better world we would so live in. I, I, don't, I, I don't talk about this because I, I honestly have never been called to prophesize. But I have just seen so many examples in my life that when Fox recently asked me to write a book about this topic, I said yes in part because I was hoping to bolster myself along the way too. Mm -hmm. I think that we have lost the ability to believe in miracles. But more importantly, we've lost the ability to be a miracle in somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And we need to get that back. And we need to start being other people's heroes again. Mm -hmm. Like I love it. Your masculinity getting the door for us when you were going to be late for your own show. <laughs> so and we do were going to have to take over. Listen, your I was just trying. Show. I was. I, I actually. <laughs> it's the Lauren Hare show because Jimmy's down the hall holding the door. He's holding the door for everyone. Two, two, yeah, two yeah. more women. Two more great-looking women came by after you. I mean, yeah, where's I Jimmy? Like, He's down the hall. I can't leave this spot. He's just I'm Jimmy Fallon getting the door. <laughs> but my point is, and I'll, I'll move on because I know we got really serious really quickly here. Faith still moves mountains. Mm-hmm. That's the title of the book, and I think that we can be that for each other we can shore each other up and and if if people really cannot be nice to each other which Mm -hmm. i've seen so much of it recently Mm -hmm. i try to be what they can't see and it's hard because i want to kick them in the teeth because they hit the (laughs) bodega owner yeah Yeah. yeah, no seriously i'm a human being i get it i get that but you know what i'm in a position now in my life with my kids now teenagers where i have to to be that goodness as often as I can, that I know that they won't see in the world right now. Oh. And I'm worried about that, actually. I think that's our biggest disease. Uh, you I want mean, to declare a national emergency? Yeah. Declare one on the fact that we don't show each other enough grace. None. So oh, no, true. no, no. It's, yeah, it's, it's not monkeypox. So <laughs> it's, oh. so, it's so true. It's so bad. Talking to Harris Faulkner and Lara Trump, uh, we're, I, I have segued the show into, hey, you kids, get off my lawn mode. Uh, <laughs> last time we were rapping and doing card tricks. I'm like, you believe these kids today? This is unbelievable. Get well, them out of here with the well, hip hop. Oh, <laughs> last time we, we didn't were even talk about rapping. Kamala. And we, and we usually do. Yeah. And I call her that because her last name is Harris. And so yes. I, just, oh, I, yeah. want, I want my name back. So I just don't ever <laughs> use her. I don't use her last name. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, I, 
there's this rumor out there Uh-oh. that, you know, if they were going to workshop a Harris presidency, meaning nobody wants Biden to run again, okay, um, they obviously can't just have him step down for being unpopular because that's an admission of failure when it comes to their policies. But the fact that he's now catching COVID every Tuesday and Thursday. Oh my gosh. You know, you have to maintain six feet of space if you're shaking hands with an invisible man. You don't know what these people are carrying. <laughs> <laughs> we hope he's doing well. Of he's course we do. We wish I mean, him well. He we had tested negative, and now he's testing positive after taking Paxovid. I mean, we want him I mean well. this, is, this is a man who, you know, uh-huh. I mean, he's tender in his years. Of, of course. Elderly. And if he doesn't pull through, obviously, this devastates the tourism industry. I don't think she's even in the conversation, though, <laughs> no, right? No, they don't want her out there. The vice president isn't even in the conversation. No, no, no. But you, but you ladies are. We got 30 seconds to go. This was Ooh. my question. Just a prediction. We'll revisit the next time we do this. Um, does he run in 2024, yes or no? No. Absolutely not. Wow. No. Hard wow. No. Holy hell. You He's already not. told us that health would be the reason. And I hope for his case that that wouldn't be true. Yeah, we want him the to be okay. The question that I'm asking now is what are the next two years going to be like? And you can call him a lame duck, but is he actually going to be governing or does somebody else step Has up? Has he been governing? I know. I know. And, who, and who's going to be doing that? Uh, right. Listen, I have two girls that need to get in the door, so i got to get down you the gotta hall. Go oh, you got to go hold the door open, this, this Mr. So Masculinity. Yeah. Hey, I work on tips, by the way. I'm kidding. I love you both. We Uh-oh. gave you some. You have did. a great day. You guys are the greatest. We'll always have this. <laughs> Back after this. <laughs> You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This show has turned into a veritable ladies' night. We had Harris Faulkner uh, hanging out along with the great Lara Trump. And joining us now from Fairfield, New Jersey, Pam taking over the phone line. Hey, girl. Hey, Jimmy. It's actually me and Natalie Oh, um, in Fairfield. And Natalie, who, yes, you're, you're going further with this girls' night. Wow. Uh, Natalie, who used to work with Harris. You know her. Oh, Natalie. my God. Natalie. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hi. Hi. So are you calling now? Did you have to wait for Harris to leave the set because you got PTSD? What was that? I said, did you did you wait for Harris to leave the show because you had PTSD, or did you call in while she was here? (laughs) Oh, Natalie! Oh, you kids today, so funny. Um, What is uh, what's going on over there in New Jersey? Let's talk about it. Uh, We were ranting and raving about masculinity, but we've got a minute and forty seconds, and it's all yours, ladies. Take it away. Okay, I think that I already mentioned this to you, but is there any way that we could charge Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, with elder abuse? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. Well, well listen. I think we should charge her with elder abuse for letting her husband become humiliated on a uh, daily basis. Like, yeah. how could she shame on her? Well, shame on her. Well, we could charge her husband for country abuse under the same okay. statute. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the state of the country. Sense. Oh, my God. I'm glad we could laugh about it. Uh, Natalie, what are you doing now now that you're not working here oh you know um wow nothing says only nothing says only fans like oh you know but i kid Uh, well i'm i'm working for my family's business in the cosmetic in the cosmetic company or the cosmetic industry they manufacture the raw materials that go into all the personal care yo that's fancy Um, natalie yeah so i'm 
I'm you, working as a you, kind of like a corporate operations manager now. Well, you know me. If you're going to call into the show, Natalie, you got to dumb it down a little bit, girlfriend. That was fancy. <laughs> that was. Don't come worry, on. My politics days aren't over, though. I'll be back. You're damn right you will. You're you're damn right you will. Well, we're going to be talking uh, about the View in the next break. Uh, you two are both obviously huge fans of that show, right? Oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> Good call, girls. Everything I thought it would be. Let's do it again soon. Bye, Pam. Bye, Natalie. But, yes, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but when we come back, another thing happened from The View, and we'll share it. No, God! No, God, please, no! Gosh, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the summertime. It's a Thursday. Things are looking up. I do not want to do what I'm about to do to this audience, but we've got to share another clip from The View. The View is awful. We're in a really, it's a really interesting point in the abortion debate right now. I was talking about this with the great Dana Perino earlier in the first hour of today's show. Okay, the Democratic position on abortion has gotten so radical And they're not listening to just how far out of touch they have become with the actual mainstream of this society. They're crazy. I mean, that's part of it. But if you actually look at the polling and, you know, this won't sit great with the pro-life crowd. But understand, if you look at the polling in this country, the majority of Americans do want abortion. They do. But they want it on a very limited level. Okay, nothing beyond 12 weeks. It falls off a cliff. You know, when you get into the territory of 20 weeks, 25 weeks where the baby can live outside the mom, that's actually like infanticide if we're talking about science. But if we're talking about polling, it's a non-starter. Nobody supports it. Okay, but what they've done in the Democratic Party, and this is their thing on just about every issue, is they will adapt the most extreme position possible because they know that common sense people will oppose it. And what it allows them to do, though, They say, well, you must be against women. You must be against reproductive rights. This is why you're opposing it. It's some kind of bias. And it allows them to create a social pressure that then makes people scared to disagree with them because they've created the stigma that if you disagree with their position, you must be like anti-women. He knows what he's talking about. That's what they do in labeling everything racist. Everything's racist. Literally everything is racist. And they'll say that. Because then by default, most people feel the pressure to adapt the Democratic position because, hey, they're on the non-racist side, right? 
That's the hook. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But the point is this did become so effective for them in the era of identity politics, and it created this massive divide between what people believed and what they were willing to say in public. A lot of that went on with like the Leah Thomas stuff, the transgender swimming thing. You know, a lot of people were like, this is ridiculous. Shouldn't have a guy, a biological man walking around in a women's locker room, someone with an actual penis competing against women in swimming events. That's not women's sports. That's whatever the hell you want to call it. But the point is, in the beginning, nobody spoke out. Leah Thomas was setting records. And nobody spoke out, including her teammates, in the beginning for fear of a massive backlash, for fear of being labeled transphobic. Like, look at J.K. Rowling. She made a zillion bucks writing a Harry Potter book and just said, hey, I'm a woman and I'd like to con- you know, continue to be a woman. You can be trans. I'm all for your equality. But it doesn't mean I have to renounce what I am to accommodate you. And the backlash to that was like, people are going to die. You're a monster. How dare you, you turf. Get, get her out of here. Before she gets us all killed, come on, man. And that's the position they take. That's how they advance their position, through weapons-grade rhetoric. When it comes to abortion, they find themselves in a really tough spot because, as Dana was saying, there are locales that are going to be in favor of abortion. And as this returns to the states, you're going to see most states, I would venture to say all of them, hold on to abortion on a limited basis. Yes, blue states are going to go further. Sadly, they're going to go into the realm of actual infanticide again. There are only eight countries in the world, okay, that have abortion beyond 15 weeks, okay? We're one of them, okay? The other two that you've heard of are China and North Korea. Not exactly the best human rights countries in the world. You know, North Korea where the guy's feeding his uncle the dogs. China running sweatshops, employing slave labor to this day. Harvesting organs in the Uyghur province of Hubei. I mean, these are the worst human rights abusers on the world. Our abortion position is on par with theirs. It's disgusting if we're just having a factual conversation. Okay, I'm not shaming anyone who gets an abortion, anybody who wants to get an abortion. I don't care, of course. Yeah, you find yourself in a difficult position, you made a choice. I get it. I don't get on the air every day and tell you I'm a perfect human being. Come on, man. It's the complete opposite of the show. But because the Democrats have gotten so entitled to getting their way, but they don't have the support that's going to get them their way this time around, meaning they thought, you know, overturning Roe versus Wade. Oh, it's going to change everything in the midterms. Everybody's going to vote Democrat now, except that wasn't the case, because what they were selling people was, well, if they overturn Roe versus Wade, abortions banned and you all go to jail if you get pregnant. I mean, it's like basically what they've told you. It's all the handmaid's tale now. Forced pregnancy. That's the term they were using. Forced pregnancy. Insane. No, forcing pregnancy would mean you were forced to have sex. You were forced to not take the pill. You were forced to not use a condom. You were forced to not abstain. So understand, every state supports exceptions for abortion in cases of rape or incest. Okay? What no state should support is trying to claim that God is pro-abortion. Okay? Whoopi Goldberg on The View yesterday. And again, this show isn't always a race to the intellectual bottom. But yesterday uh, or earlier today, Whoopi Goldberg is thanking God for giving her the right to be pro-abortion. What the hell did you just say? These are her words. Here it is, clip 23. That option's real and it's out there. And I don't believe in giving women half the information out there. And I think those lives have a precious value on them. They do. And as you know, God doesn't make mistakes. God made us smart enough to know when it wasn't going to work for us. That's the, that's the beauty no. of giving us freedom of choice. No. Yes, because I know my relationship 
You know, my relationship is always choppy. <laughs> With God. It's always choppy. God? With God, always, because I have a lot he of questions. You. You're his favorite, I'll, I think. Listen, I, I, I have no doubt, but I also know that God made me smart enough to know that if there are alternatives out there that can work for me, I will investigate them. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Yo, really? Like, I again, I know The View is a show where you say whatever the hell you want. You don't have to be informed. You don't have to know what you're talking about. But it's really disgusting. No, no, God gave me the smarts to choose abortion. Shut up! Will you shut up? And again and again and again, this is the frustration I have. And this is why Democrats are losing on this issue. Okay, is every time you yell about a woman's right to choose, my body, my choice, you forget that pregnancy involves a second body. And the Democratic position is so extreme and shows such a callous disregard for that second body that I can tell you as someone who has a young kid, my son Lincoln's 13, okay, and I, as you know, he's on the show a lot. We're very actively involved with him. We talk to him a lot. We hang out a lot. It's weird. When you have one kid, this is one fascinating thing. Um, it's just like your, your roommates. He's like our college roommate. That's why he has such like an advanced, I don't want to say advanced vocabulary, but an advanced sensibility because certainly we don't use big words between me and Jenny. Good gosh. You know, but the point is kids his age and Lincoln had a long talk with Jenny last night about just how barbaric uh, abortion is. Kids his age that are on TikTok and on the Internet all day that are actually getting the facts that the Democratic narrative is denying them are not in step with what they're being told. It is not empowering to kill a baby. It's not. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't help you out down the road. You, you know, you suffer some type of horrible guilt, I'm sure. Okay? But the idea that you're just, oh, no, women need the right to kill a baby so they can get back to work. Yo, if you want to talk about the handmaid's tale, that's the handmaid's tale. Shut up and get back to work. We can't have you out of the labor force. Come on. Get back in your cubicle. What are we doing here? This is empowerment. We need these women working 80 hours a week for minimal pay at a job they hate. Not home, doing the most rewarding thing you could ever do in life, which is raise a child. Oh, my God. But that's what you're dealing with here. People who aren't listening to themselves. People who are used to communicating in the most extreme rhetoric possible. So when you push back, they can distort your position and say, oh, this is even about abortion. You just want to harm women. Women are going to die. Women are going to go to jail for having abortions. Yo, that's not true. There's not a woman in this country, who is being prosecuted or will be prosecuted for having an abortion, okay? There are laws out there, okay, that will target doctors if they perform abortions in restricted ways, and that should be the case. Life has to have value. And if we're going to try to win this argument by prioritizing body autonomy, I'm going to be honest with you. If you gave a fully formed viable baby a choice, (laughs) it's not going to say kill me. It's not. 99% of the time. You know, unless its parents are Mets fans, baby knows it's going to be born into a Met house and go through 40 years. Oh, they blew it again. All right, maybe that baby says no. But most babies, no. They're going to be like, yeah, let's do this. Get me out of here. Let's go see the world. Woo. We're human beings. That's what we're into. Life. You know, happiness. That's what we want to do. Kids come out of the womb. Understand this. Calibrated for happiness. They don't come out of the room, okay, looking to be rich. They don't come out of the room looking to be – they don't know what any of that stuff is. All they know is their environment. You know, when your attitude defines your experience in life, which is very much the case, you'd be the brokest person in the world. I mean, understand that in the modern democratic worldview, Barack Obama's parents would have had an abortion. Okay, they're at the bottom end of the socioeconomic scale. It's a mixed marriage. Okay, they're poor as hell. 
the Democrats don't want you to keep that baby. And I can only make that claim because they said it to Tim Scott. Remember when Tim Scott was on our show? He's actually talking to a cabinet member of this administration who tells him, well, you know, labor force participation is really helped by abortion. And Tim Scott said, my God, as someone who grew up at the absolute bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, born into a single parent household by a broke black woman, Tim Scott might be your next president, might be the president after that. As it stands, he's the first black American elected to both houses of Congress. In the modern Democratic worldview, you're not supposed to give birth to Tim Scott if you're as broke as his mom was. In a modern Democratic worldview, you're not supposed to give birth to Barack Obama if his parents are as, as poor off as they were. That's what they're selling. They're selling defeatism. They're selling victimhood. Okay, not victorhood, not you can do it. They're selling why bother. And that's why Democrats are losing people here, because instinctively, most of us want to go out and have a good time. We want to have fun. We want to amount to something. doesn't mean we have to be rich and famous. just means we want to have a good time. I mean, you die tomorrow, you're going to wish you had a good time. You're going to wish you had a better time. But this idea that we should be selling women that you can't get ahead in life unless you actually forego the miracle of life, the absolute greatest gift you could ever have, which is the opportunity to raise a child, I can tell you this. Okay, there's nothing greater on earth. There's no higher privilege I have known as a human being than to raise a child. You know, even if he's a pain in the ass half the time, you know, shut your mouth. But the point is, it's great. And the Democrats are trying to tell you you're falling behind by indulging in that joy. And it's God who would give you the good sense to get ahead. If you just thought about aborting it instead of enjoying the miracle, the privilege, the winning lottery ticket it is to get to be a parent. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Of course, no stampede of stupid would be complete without Karine Jean-Pierre weighing in. 
your White House press secretary. You know her. She's worse than Kamala. She really is. Uh, she says yesterday, uh, I mentioned this with Dana Perino earlier in the program, but Karine Jean-Pierre uh, said yesterday that the Supreme Court overturning the Dobbs case was unconstitutional. <laughs> it's actually their exact function in the Constitution. But again... You don't want to let the facts get in the way of a desperate attempt at a political narrative. So take it away, diversity hire. Here's clip 22. There has been an urgency uh, from this president uh, from day one when uh, when the Supreme Court made this extreme decision uh, to take away a, a constitutional right. Uh, it was an unconstitutional unconstitutional action by them, a right that was around for almost 50 years, a right that women had to make a decision on their bodies and how they want to start their families. And so the president has been very clear that he's going to do everything that he can. It doesn't stop with this, but we also understand understand that, you know, it's, he, he can't only be the only person working on this, right? That's why we continue to ask Congress uh, to take action. Are you stupid or something? So understand. Okay, well, yeah, she is stupid. It has nothing to do with a race or a gender. She's a lovely woman, and I wish her all the best. Uh, but she's, you know, wildly overmatched at the gig. Okay, but understand, she's lying. The Supreme Court did not take away the right to abortion, kids, just so everybody's on the same page. That was not a ruling on abortion. It was a ruling on states' rights, okay? It was not the end of democracy. It was the beginning. It was giving people the right to vote on a state-by-state basis for just how much abortion they're willing to have in their society. You see, what Roe versus Wade did was it federalized abortion and said you don't have a right in your individual state to a preference on how long abortion should be accessible. The feds will choose that for you. Again, a classic exercise in projection. The Democrats say, oh, you know, Supreme Court took away your constitutional right. Um, Does it actually say anything in the Constitution that mentions abortion? The answer would be no. Not even a word. Okay, it wasn't a thing back then, but getting past that, if you get into vague interpretations of body autonomy and everything in between, okay, the Constitution is a pretty pro-life document if you were going to interpret it at all because the whole premise is that you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, does abortion... Give you life? The answer would be no. Does it give you liberty? The answer would be no. Can you pursue happiness uh, if you get aborted? The answer would be no. no. No further questions, Your Honor. Okay, it's a stampede of stupid, a parade of shamelessness. And when you get to the name-calling end of this, which, oh, you're taking away my rights. Oh, you're declaring a war on women. It's because you've lost the argument. They're in a really bad spot here. Um, And they're only in that spot because they're too stupid to listen to themselves. That's this whole administration. It's just idiots who aren't listening to how dumb they sound every time they go out in public. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and we are cranking it up in this hour with Jim Jordan, superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District of Congress, uh, someone who in Ohio anyway, uh, who is uh, not too happy 
with the dereliction of duty in the Democratic Party right now as it pertains to things Americans care about. Jim Jordan, I have to tell you, uh, happens to be the congressman for the town my wife grew up in. Jenny Fayla grew up in Wapakoneta, Ohio. Uh, Jordan represents that area out there. And I promise you, if you walk around Wapakoneta anywhere, okay, if you go to the Bob Evans off the side of Route 75 or the Neil Armstrong Museum, you know, Wapakoneta is the home of Neil Armstrong. You know, you go anywhere. You go to Lulu's downtown. You know, even if you went up the road a little bit to get a Kewpie hamburger, if you go to any of these establishments, and there's so many fine ones out there. You go to the Alpha, another great one. Okay, nobody there, nobody there is going to bring up Climate change, abortion rights, or taking away your guns. Bingo. Never. Never going to come up once. Not at any of these places. Are they going to say, hey, if we could just figure out the weather in 50 years. You want to know what the priorities are in America right now? The priorities are inflation, gas prices, and crime. One, two, and three. Those are the priorities. Okay? That's what people care about. But in this Democratic Party, and I'll give you a good example of this. Can I get some clips from a debate the other night? Okay, here in New York, which is so emblematic of everything else. The Democrats redistricted New York. They drew up a new district map. It wound up getting approved, and it accidentally ended with two longtime Democratic mainstays, Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney, competing for the same seat, which means one of them is going to lose their job as a result of their own gerrymandering. (laughs) But the reason they should all lose their jobs is because just – how far out of touch they are with the things people happen to prioritize, things people who not only live in the 4th Congressional District of Ohio prioritize, but things everybody prioritize, okay? Here is Carolyn Maloney, okay? And this is my favorite thing in the world, okay, in this whole thing. They had this whole, you know, why should we vote for you? I'll even start with Nadler. Nadler says you should vote for him because he impeached George Bush twice. Have you ever had a checkup? He might have meant to say Donald Trump, but I got to be honest. He might think it's George Bush because when you listen to Jerry Nadler, he's pretty beat up. Here it is, clip 19. And an insurrectionist Republican Party uh, for the first time in our history trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power. Now, uh, therefore, I, have, I, I am leading the fight to, uh, to stop this. And, there, and I have passed the uh, uh, two impeachments. And in, in leading this, I've impeached... Uh, Bush twice. (laughs) I've lost my marbles. But bigger than that, do you understand that's the case he's making? I'm voting because I'm leading the fight to impeach Donald Trump. Hey, guys, seriously, I don't run the Donald Trump radio defense fund. I just had Lara Trump on. Yes, grant you that. That's his daughter-in-law. But if you listen to the show every day, I'm fairly critical of both political parties as I see fit because I'm a talk show host. Okay, I'm not an activist. My job is not to steer your vote. But when you look around at America right now, is anybody who can't fill their gas tank, pay for goods or go to the store without getting mugged saying, hey, if we could only impeach Trump again, the answer would be no. Their priorities aren't your priorities. It's the biggest issue facing the Democratic Party in this moment is they have become, you know, the equivalent of the boorish male. I've made this analogy before. We've all been the guy in a relationship with a woman He's like, oh, when she gets home today, I'm going to get some. Oh, today's the day. Yeah, girl. And she comes home from work, and you just don't read the tea leaves. Like, hey, babe, how are you? Oh, my stomach's killing me. I feel like hell. My boss is a monster. I sat in traffic forever. I'm so sweaty. And you're like, I know what you need. And she's like, 
Are you an animal? Get, get, get the f away from me. I know what you need. Back up, you creep. I mean, but that's who the Democrats are. Okay, Americans are coming home from work right now. Like, ah, oh, the gas prices are so expensive. The inflation's out of control. The crime, I almost got mugged filling out my car. And the Democrats are like, I know what you need. You need a Trump impeachment. You need some climate change activism. <laughs> we need to declare more war on fossil fuels. I've got it. We'll raise taxes during a recession. That's stupid. Use your common sense. I played you clips earlier in the week of Barack Obama saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, you don't raise taxes in a recession. You want to know why? Because it's stupid. It stifles job creation. It holds back workers. And that's the problem we're facing right now. We have people running this country that prioritize everything except the country. Welcome to the Biden administration. Home to the new slogan, America last. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Holding this country together on a Thursday. I was on The View earlier today. Did you imagine that? I was on Outnumbered today. The View's on my mind because I was just watching this announcement that Alyssa Farah has been added as a permanent cast member on The View, uh, which is a dream come true to work in showbiz on The View. Not even close! I can't even imagine. Have you ever even gone to The View? The tickets are $25 to get in and 200 to get out. Nobody wants to watch that show. Oh, it's just misery. It's just a bile distillery. People like positive energy. That's why we like this next guest. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, and he's always in a good mood because if you go out to, like, Wapakoneta or Lima, Ohio out there, they've got Mountain Dew coming out of one faucet and Natty Light beer coming out of the other, and he can attest to that. He grew up out there. The great Jim Jordan returns to the program. <laughs> is, it, is it Mountain Dew or Natty Light? What are, what are we doing today? Mountain Dew, man. Uh, so what, I, did I catch that right? You're going on The View? No, is I was kidding. Right? I was joking around. <laughs> no way. You would be you would that would be must see TV. If you're on the view with all those lefties, that would be oh, that would be priceless. I mean, it, it, everyone would want to watch that. I hope you I hope you're going on. Talk about must flee TV is what that is. <laughs> must flee. Um I will tell you this, Anna Navarro on the view. I have two experiences with the women of the view really quick. I have done stand up uh-huh. benefits in Manhattan that Joy Behar happened to be on and uh just, again, you know how I'm like an upbeat guy. I'm always in a good mood. I'm like a yeah. dog with a job. My yeah. tail is wagging. Uh, Joy Behar's tail is not always wagging. She's not a very pleasant person. <laughs> I know this comes yeah. as a shock to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> she, she doesn't exactly have a secret handshake with everybody yeah. in the room. You know, she, nothing like yeah. that. And Anna Navarro, you don't know this. I never told you this. But Anna Navarro on The View, who's also now a permanent cast member, I was at the White House, yeah. course, I was at the White House Correspondence this, this year. I was at the, uh, the dinner oh, down yeah. in the swamp and uh, yeah that's right great story so for whatever reason fox decided it was a good idea that i should be doing live coverage from the red carpet after a four-hour open bar 
Okay. Which, <laughs> again, this, yo, it's career yeah. suicide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I am texting my wife on the way to the red carpet. Jenny, turn on Fox. This is probably the last one. Let's enjoy this together. <laughs> this, this, there's, there's no way with this ends good. And who do I see in the hallway? But I see Anna Navarro from The View, who actually looks yeah. at me looks at me and makes three of the most disgusted faces I've ever seen a person make and then goes, you know what? No. And just walks away in the other direction, (laughs) (laughs) which I think Uh, is is amazing. Now, again, Jim, there's a part of me that wants to call her out for being as upset with me as she is. But then there's this other part of me that wants her to get the exercise in and let her walk. So there it went. (laughs) Well, you bring up a good point, too. It is funny how the left. Like you know, ninety nine out of hundred people see uh, they'll, they'll be they'll be positive and they'll be friendly. And but there's always some lefty who just like is like they swear at you or they give you some ugly face. I, I told this story. This happened to me. It was a year ago Christmas. Uh, I come. I'm on in Washington. I step out onto Independence Avenue there. I'm at the I'm at the conservative partnership and I step out and it's a sunny day. It's a week before Christmas. There's the Capitol. The sun's you know coming off the Capitol. And it's like and, – and there's this guy walking down the sidewalk pushing a double stroller. Oh, he's wow. got two little kids, and I'm like, this is as apple pie as it gets. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the, the sun off the Capitol Dome. It's a week before Christmas. We live in the greatest country ever. Two kids in the stroller. The dad pushing them. And I look up at the guy, and I just smiled at him because it's like, you know, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is a great day. And I smile at him, and he gives me this snarly look like, what are you looking at, you conservative Republican? And I'm like, <laughs> just relax, dude. It's not that bad. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes the left is that way. Like, no, not even – don't even think about asking me. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. just relax. We're not, we're not on all the time. What the heck? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's amazing that you're the, you're the away team in, the, in, in yeah. our nation's capital. The government is actually yeah. the visiting team if you're a conservative. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Oh, man. It sure is. And I'm just like, it's America. Put a smile on your face. I don't care how bad Joe Biden makes the country. It's still the best place going. And I'm glad I live here instead of anywhere else. Um, oh, it's I, I don't get it. I don't get the left. I don't get the left. No, nobody does. Jim Jordan's on the line of you just joining us. But I think that's part of the reason they're having the problems that they have, like in terms of polling and voter enthusiasm, is where the good time side of this debate. And we are actually willing, as you said, to interact with people who don't agree with us politically because we grew up in real America where you could agree to disagree. But now we're told if you disagree, you must be, you know, declaring war on women or some type of white supremacist lunatic and you don't have a right to exist. And it's just immature. Would you say it is? It's like a little immature. Yeah. You know, it's totally immature and it's frankly totally inconsistent with the Constitution and the First Amendment. They now tell you, and we, we've talked about this before, but they, and they now tell you, if you don't agree with me, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, if you try to speak, I'm going to call you a racist. We're going to try to cancel you. We're going to call you names, and then big tech's going to amplify. I mean, it's like, well, just relax. So we can disagree a little bit. It's, it's fine that we have this thing called the First Amendment. But no, no, no. You got to agree with them. You got to bend the knee or whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to say, but it, it, it's wrong, and, it, and, it, and it's turning people off, and it's why I think um, – I really do think that the countries are fixing to make a change here in, what is it, 90-some days on November 8th. Well, you want to know what it is, and that change, I do think that change is coming. I think part of it is vibe, like we just discussed, because in the direction we're trending a year from now, the babies in that stroller would give you the finger. 
You know what I mean? It, it wouldn't just be the dad. It'd be some kid with a bottle giving Jordan the finger. You know, and that I, I want to see, but it's not a good sign for the country. You know what I'm saying? You, let me just so this happened to me in Nashville two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Would you ever walk up to someone in a like we, we would never do this to, to someone, walk up to him in a restaurant and give him some like little, you know, just some like mean little note. This lady walked in to me, oh, hey, Jim. And we were sitting with my wife and, and with Russell, your, 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 your Russell. buddy from, the, uh, from our office. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we, we were sitting there and uh, we, were, we were visiting with Clay Travis. We were talking uh-huh. sports and stuff. Uh-huh. And this lady walks up and she, she, she goes, welcome to Nashville, Jim. And she sets down literally half a, like a half a little glass of wine. Sets down in front of me. Hope you enjoy your stay. And then she has a note. And I read the note. She says, she says, like, I hope your stay in Nashville was short. Get back. To, you know, and it's like, wow. I would never think of doing that to anyone. Like, well, why would I mean, I don't care who sits beside me. I don't care if I dislike him. I would never stay, say that. But that's how the left it like for some reason, they think that's like a big, bold thing to do. Or so. I, I don't I, I just don't get it. Listen, I, I agree that it's way out there. But the most shocking part of the story is that Russell's allowed back into the bars in Nashville. <laughs> I lost money on that yeah. one. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. But I guess these, you know, these people know where their bread is buttered. You're gonna, if you're gonna run a bar, you gotta let Russell in. It's good for the bottom line, you know. Um, yeah. I'll give you another one though. We're talking to Jim Jordan from the Fourth Congressional District of beautiful Ohio. Uh, here's another reason why they are going to get clobbered in the midterms: is that their priorities aren't anyone else's. I was making this point before you came on the air. I said if you went out to mm-hmm. Wapakoneta, you went to Lulu's, you went to the Alpha, you went to you know any local yeah. place, the Lucky Steer. When it was still out there. God, I love the yeah, latest year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you asked people what their priorities were. No one is going to say climate change, raising taxes in a recession, or taking away their gun rights. But those really yeah. are the, the priorities of the Democratic Party. And I don't think they're listening to the rest of the country because no one is saying that on a large scale. No, they're, they're, they're like, uh, how's, the, how's the organization for the church picnic coming? Who's, who's actually yeah. taking the, uh, the, the, the refreshments to the Little League game tonight? Yep. Who's coaching? And I mean, it's like running your family, running your community, getting your work done, doing your – I mean it's like that's what people focus on. And oh, by the way, they, they'd like not to have to pay $4 a gallon for gas. They'd like not to have this record inflation where everything costs more because they got kids to feed and, and college education. And th- that's what they're thinking about. Yeah. But um, it's amazing. no, it's it's climate change and, and craziness. <laughs> but what's funny too is they're now starting to change. You know, They, they said all along uh, – you know, we're we're not going to raise your taxes, but of course they're trying to raise your taxes. And then, yeah. and then they said, well, we're not going to take your guns, but they just passed legislation to, in fact, take your guns mm-hmm. out of the house at least. So, yeah, uh, yeah they they try to they, they, their priorities aren't where the American people are, and they try to like finagle and lie about it a little bit as well. Oh, it's such it's so true, man. And I, I I've been watching this whole thing over the past two weeks. You know, obviously with them redefining the word recession and that whole stupid semantic battle. It's like, do they think people are so stupid? That if you just change the definition, people won't notice they're broke. <laughs> oh, no, actually, it turns out I'm fine. There's no money in the bank, but the Democrats said I'm fine. So good news, honey. Yeah, change. They can't define recession. They can't define what a woman is. And now what, what, the, the press secretary can't define what's constitutional. Says it's unconstitutional. That was the my Supreme favorite. Court. Like, what? What are you? I mean, like, okay, you can say that, but again, I think the American people have common sense. American people are smart. You can say what you want, but the 
the country gets it. No, I agree. The, the kids in strollers are applauding you right now, just so you know. There's no, no, no middle fingers. <laughs> that, well, that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. I mean, that, that pro-life decision, it was um, – well, well, that's a funny know, point. That was amazing. Oh, yeah, well, I agree. So let's, let's jump in on that because Karine Jean-Pierre, okay, when she said what she said, oh, you know, this is unconstitutional, which is, of course, not the case. The Constitution, if you were actually going to apply an interpretation to whether it's pro-life or pro-choice, um, I, it's the, probably the most pro-life document in the world when you understand that the country's founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit yeah. of happiness. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. If, if yeah. abortion's in the well, Constitution, yeah. you can't claim life is the number one thing out of the gate, No. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, the, the, the I, I tell folks next to next to scripture, probably the best words ever put on paper were the ones you just cited from the you know the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, where they talk about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and it's it's always interesting. You 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 step back and think about it. The it's interesting the order the founders placed uh, the rights they chose to mention when they were declaring to the world why it was appropriate to do what they were getting ready to do. You can't pursue happiness. You can't pursue your goals and dreams if you don't have freedom. If you don't have liberty. And you never have freedom or liberty if government won't protect your most fundamental right, your right to live. And it's that basic, and the pro-life community has been working for 50 years to protect unborn children's lives, and we had a huge step in that direction with the uh, Supreme Court decision. So um, I think that's, that's tremendous news. And I always tell folks it would not have happened but for President Trump. I don't think any other Republican president would have stuck with Kavanaugh when the left tried to do the No game. way. They would have folded. You're right. You're right. Totally would have folded, but but it happened because of him. That's the one thing about Trump that he deserves credit for is if you look at presidents like quarterbacks, President Trump was getting blitzed every down. So he was not a guy that crumbled like he stepped up in the pocket when yep. they blitzed because he didn't yep. know any other way. If, if the Democrats yep. ever played a zone, they might have threw the guy off, you know, if they would have ran a cover, yeah. too. But the problem no. is they were blitzing from every angle. Nuts. Now, that is a great point. He handled the intensity of everyone in that town, every Democrat against him, everyone in the mainstream press against him, half the Republicans against him, more importantly, or maybe most importantly, all of the bureaucracy against him. Mm -hmm. And he handled it better than anyone and got more done than anyone. Uh, yeah, that's why I like him. And, you know, mm. you know where I'm at. I want him to run again. Yeah. Well, by the time he does, he's going to be calling himself Joe Montana after this conversation. <laughs> you know, he's very, no, nobody's more pro Trump than Trump. Uh, you're the best. I'm going to hit a hard commercial break, uh, but keep fighting the good fight. Tell tell we Russell will, to pull Jim. his life together. I'll see you soon. All right. We will. There he goes. The great Jim Jordan telling it like it is Donald Trump. Now the Joe Montana of politics <laughs> back after this. It is Fox Across America, the main man, Jimmy Fallon, talking it up on a Thursday, 888-788-9910, the phone number. We could try to squeeze you in between now and the end of this shindig. Uh, when this is over, I'm doing Kennedy tonight on the Fox Business Network. Tomorrow morning, I will be back on America's Newsroom with the legendary Dana Perino, who joined us earlier today, as well as battling Bill Hammer. Uh, we will be chatting it up. We will be talking about the economy. We'll be talking about issues facing America. Uh, if you missed Dana Perino earlier in the show, her first car was a Dodge Turismo. I don't know if you remember that car. It was a two-door. Almost looked like a Chevette. Uh, it was a two-door hatchback, had a moonroof. We were talking about the fact that, like Bill Hemmer, who started off in a Grand Torino, teenage driving 
you know, something that was big when we were little kids, could be adversely affected by the cost of gas right now, by the problems facing our economy. You know, you take for granted when you were a kid, the coolest thing in the world, coolest thing in the world was getting your hands on a car for the first time with no adult supervision and just being out there on your own blasting music. I will never forget for as long as I live. I'm not even telling you I like the song. But The Offspring had a song called Gotta Get Away, I believe is what it was called. Gotta get away from me. One of those. And I'll never forget leaving the car dealership uh, on Hillside Avenue in Queens, where my dad had taken me to buy uh, an 87 Chrysler LeBaron. And uh, I'll never forget getting on the highway moments after I left the dealership, hearing this Offspring song on the radio and rocking out. It was like as alive as I had ever felt which is actually kind of ironic because the car didn't really have brakes. <laughs> but the point is the economy uh, at the time was a little bit better. It was uh, the mid-90s. Uh, that's back when, you know, things were kind of under control. We had a president who had enough time on his schedule uh, to use an intern as a humidor. I believe that together we can make America great again. But the point is, uh, back then, you know, we're cruising along, having a good time. I was uh, indulging in a time-honored tradition, which is being a kid in a car, blasting music, having fun. Something that doesn't happen as much these days because the prices have gotten so out of control. And the problem we've been having, here is a special presidential coordinator for energy affairs. This is Amos Hochstein. Okay, he's on America Reports yesterday. I just want to bring this up still talking about prices and trying to blame Vladimir Putin. And the reason I bring this up is it's showing an indifference. We always discuss how, you know, cabbies like me are affected by gas prices or the OTR truckers are affected or just everyday commuters are affected. But we never do talk about these, like, all-American time-honored things like kids driving on their own in a car. You can't really do as much of it if gas is more money as it has been for a while. Now, the White House is taking credit for the drastic reduction in prices that has occurred in the past about 60 days, and I'm happy the prices are going down. But, you know, at the same time, if you're going to try to take credit for prices going down, you do kind of have to own the fact that they went up. I think he's got a point. Which they don't want to do. But here's Amos Hochstein trying to blame it all on Putin still. And this is clip four. The prices start going up as soon as Putin starts uh, intervening they in were the going energy up market in Europe. No, no, they actually weren't. Uh, sure they, they were. were going up. They were going. No, that's just factually not true. They, the main increase in prices uh, was as the uh, Putin was starting to intervene in the markets in the uh, early fall of, uh, of last year. And then long before the invasion, but when he started intervening the markets by increasing the security premiums, uh, those went up. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. Yo, again, even at this remote date, when Fed Chair Jerome Powell has testified, he has actually said these words. So is this, in fact, Putin's price hike? And he said the words, no. Come on, man. I've played you that audio a hundred times on this show. It's not Putin's price. Prices were going up 14 straight months before Putin invaded. Okay, it's not Putin's price hike. It's Biden's, okay, price hike for all intents and purposes. But again, one way or the other, you have to give him a little credit for them coming down then. I don't know what he's actually done to lower them other than demand is down because inflation is so far up that people aren't driving as much and spending as much disposable income. But stick with me because it's the indifference that I'm trying to highlight here. I don't want to get into a semantic battle of, over whose fault it is so much as there's a bigger effort being made to blame people than there is to help people. You know, I was referencing the teenage kid driving around in a car, and there's like an indifference to that, and that's kind of a superficial thing. But this indifference also occurs when it comes to crime. 
And I want to talk about that for a second. Why? Because business and crime go hand in hand. And what I mean by that is there's a direct correlation between high rates of violent crime and low rates of economic opportunity, meaning if people don't have a way to make money legally, they're more likely to make it illegally. Okay, if there are no jobs, what do you do? You rob people. You carjack. You sell drugs. You murder people. These are not good outcomes. But they're prevalent in every single community, regardless of race or ethnicity, if, in fact, there's a low level of economic upward mobility. I bring that up because the historic levels of violent crime we're witnessing in a lot of blue cities are driving away business. And as business goes, as more legal ways to make money skip town, that means more people are turning towards the other way. That can't be good. And this is a thing right now, okay? And no one talks about this. I'm talking about real issues, okay? And there's a real indifference to real issues. It's very frustrating as a guy who cares. Again, I'm new. I care. I want to help. I got this job. I was like, man, it'd be cool if a guy got on the radio, told a few million people a day to just chill out and try to make this thing work. But no one wants to do that. Okay, but there's an indifference. There's a, a report out today. Okay, you know, we have this hotshot young producer on this show, Mikey. And I puts together this fancy outline that makes it look like I know what I'm talking about. But there's a report out today about how business is booming in Florida. And it's, you know, in terms of applications, okay, meaning new business applications. Somebody goes down to the office, you know, fills out 37 forms, does a retina scan, pees in a cup, that whole thing. They check your Facebook posts. A lot of scrutiny these days. Uh, It really is like the closest thing to getting probed by aliens is operating a small business in a blue state because there's so many. It's a lot of regulation, a lot of hoops to jump through. I know SeaWorld dolphins who think there are too many hoops to jump through when you're opening up a business in a blue city. But understand that crime and regulation go hand in hand as deterrence to opening a business. So understand here, Florida last year filed 632,000. New business applications, 632,000. New York, New York State as a whole filed 309,000, 309,000. So according to my community college math, it's a little bit less than half. Okay, why is that significant? Because understand, as business is stifled in your burden-heavy town, as crime is spiking in your crime-heavy town because of all these woke bail reforms, Okay, you see people suffer as a consequence of that woke quest for equity. Everything woke turns to because what's really driving these mass migrations, like if you look at California, you look at New York, those are the two states most people are moving out of. Okay, what's really the commonality is the overall decline in the quality of life. Taxes are high, but the quality of life is low. Like I was just in San Francisco and, you know, California with Jenny and Lincoln and, uh, you know, Geographically, it's beautiful. It's palm trees, big hills. It's wonderful. And then you look down at the sidewalk and making matters worse is the fact that nobody is walking a dog. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, it's disgusting. But understand that overall decline in the quality of life. This is kind of what we were talking about on Tucker last night. If you saw me on the Tucker Carlson show, um, if you missed it. It is on the Fox Cross America Facebook page. But point being that overall decline in the quality of life makes it really hard for people to want to start a business here because there's so much crime and people don't want to spend their money where they don't feel safe. And right now in New York, people really don't feel safe. You know, we talked about this on Outnumbered earlier today. 
you know, all of these woke bail reforms from these dopey guys like, you know, Alvin Bragg are done in the name of equity. But I'm going to make a really common sense point for you, you know, as a guy who kind of gets it, spent a lot of time driving around in this city and, you know, a taxi. And this is not that profound. You guys could probably make this point on your own. Uh, (laughs) This is not really a a deep dive. okay? but in society, in every country in the world, at every hour of the day, in every income bracket, there are. Are you ready for it? Good people. And bad people. Bingo. Okay, and if you want to run a society and you want it to flourish, you have to prioritize the good people over the bad people. That is correct. Okay, what woke bail reforms do is they're done in the name of equity. Well, you can't lock up minorities because there's too many minorities in jail. And, you know, we want equity. We got we to gotta dish the rock here. We want the same amount of people from every race in jail. But that's not how crime works, unfortunately. But bigger than that is that when you look at the high rates of criminal recidivism, okay, letting people out of jail in the name of equity is harming minority communities the most. That's true. That is true. And why do I say that? Because 90% of violent crimes are committed against members of the same race. So when you're not locking someone up who has a lengthy rap sheet, I'm talking, you know, You look at this horrible shooting we had at a McDonald's here in New York last week. Kids, you know, tried for attempted murder in the past. Guys out on bail. You know, we have all of these instances. Guys are robbing bodegas, punching people in the head, you know, attacking people, shoving them in front of the subway. These are people out right now on the streets despite dozens of violent arrests. What the hell is the world coming to? But the thing that's freeing them, the commonality in all of this, are these woke bail reforms that say, no, no, you know, you can't throw these guys in jail because we want equity. Woo! You know, that whole thing. But understand, when they get out of jail, they're harming members of their own race. So woke bail reforms are basically just saying, hey, let's look out for the criminal element of minority communities as opposed to the law-abiding element of these communities. And understand, the law-abiding element is 99.9% of all communities because no individual race has a monopoly on good or bad or happy or sad or decent or anything in between, okay? Great people come in all shapes and sizes, and weapons-grade idiots come in all shapes and sizes. And if you don't believe me, watch The View. The View is awful. Oh, man. Highest streaming show in Guantanamo Bay. I do mean that because they can't waterboard anymore. They're like, you confess. (laughs) You confess. We'll put on Joy Behar. But here's the point I wanted to make, because we've got a mayor, Eric Adams, who is, you know, former cop. My brothers are cops, did 20 years in the NYPD. I was saying this on Outnumbered earlier in the day. Okay, you've heard Harold called in from Raleigh, North Carolina on this show. Harold's a guy we put on the air a lot when he calls because he's a former NYPD officer. He's a black man uh, who served in one of the worst eras in the history of New York City. And the minute he could retire, got the hell out of here. And I can't say I blame the guy. <laughs> he's like, hell, I'm going down to eat some brisket in Raleigh. But the point is he, too, has been very critical about Eric Adams from the standpoint of Eric Adams. like a, He's a politician in a police uniform, and I'm not disparaging anybody who puts on the uniform, but understand he wasn't the guy who did real police work. He was the guy who could always give you the score to the Yankee game because he was sitting in the precinct studying for the next test so he could get promoted and move up the ladder. And that's who Eric Adams is. Right now he's fighting crime one bottle service at a time at the 4040 Club. He wants to be Jay-Z. He wants to be a celebrity mayor. And, you know, God love him. Everybody's allowed to do their own thing in America. But he tried saying yesterday after this latest interaction where a a 
kid shot a McDonald's worker because his mom's fries were cold. Which, I mean, again, I know I look like a guy who might fight somebody over getting their fry order wrong. But even I know, okay, in the shape I'm in, you can't do that sort of thing. As much as I eat, as a guy who Fox literally pays somebody to follow me around the building and stop me from eating. Put that cookie down now! The point is, even I know you can't shoot somebody at McDonald's because you don't like the fries. But the guy who shot somebody at McDonald's because he didn't like the fries is already out on bail okay, was a guy that had previously in 2020 committed attempted murder. But Eric Adams, who's not a real cop, who ran, hey, I'm a cop, he campaigned on being a cop, hey, I'm a cop. And we were like, well, great, because crime's spiking, we should get a cop in there. So everybody campaigned and supported Eric Adams. But he got into office and again, went right to the Met Gala in a fancy outfit, went and hit the club scene. If you run a club in New York City, you know Eric Adams, he's everywhere. Okay, he's the guy. He's like Norm from Cheers. No matter what nightclub you go to, Adams, hey, there he is. That whole thing. Everybody's got a fist bump, secret handshake, high five, whatever you got. Okay, and he tried saying yesterday, oh, the criminal justice system is so bad. But here's my issue. Okay, none of the things he's lamenting are new. They were all in place. Years before he took office, they were the very issues we were screaming about while he was running for office. And now he shows up with a straight face. He's like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea this was even a thing. Come on. Don't bullshit me. Yeah, man. Here it is. Clip 11. They say the difference definition of insanity is to do the same thing repeatedly, but expect different results. Our criminal justice system is insane. It is dangerous. It is harmful. And it's destroying the fabric of our city. Time and time again, our police officers make an arrest. And then the person who is arrested for assault, felonious assaults, robberies, and gun possessions, they're finding themselves back on the street within days, if not hours, after arrest. Listen, he's not wrong. But everything he just told you was a known quantity two years ago. Okay, but he's been too busy drinking bottles with Jay-Z. I want to pop bottles with models. Hey, girl, to actually do the job. But it's a simple job. It has nothing to do with equity or anything in between. Just lock up the bad guys. That's all you got to do.
This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is the bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. Remain man, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, wrapping up a pretty spirited day. We had Dana Perino. Makes the show look a lot classier than it is. We had Harris Faulkner and Lara Trump. Good time there. We'll post that on the website as well. Jim Jordan was in the house. Took a couple of your calls along the way. This show's like a really good hang, man. It's like a radio road trip. You just get in the car. We play some halfway decent music, sing along, tell a few jokes, have a good time. Isn't that the whole point? I mean, that's what we're going for tonight on Kennedy. If I could shamelessly plug my TV appearances one more time. Uh, I'll be on Kennedy at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard. Uh, When that is over, I will sober up and head to America's newsroom tomorrow morning at 9.50 and do the damn thing one more time. You'll get a cameo from Lincoln Fala tomorrow on the show. And then we are off to Houston to booze up his mom and sing along to some Garth Brooks songs. But uh, whatever you do, I don't really care. We have one rule, same every day. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, anything in between. Just don't be a... Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.